Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, guys. On today's show, I chat with the incredibly knowledgeable Loz about her two empowering births and what her work as a postpartum doula entails. Loz describes her first pregnancy as her spiritual awakening having a deep impact on her in the greatest way. Her waters broke at 38 weeks, putting her on the clock for her birth at a birthing center with a private midwife. Although a beautiful experience, she wanted to eliminate the extra pressures that came with birthing within the system and chose to birth her second baby at home. Suffering a loss between pregnancies, she discusses how not processing that loss impacted her mindset during her labor and how the space held for her by her support team allowed her to overcome those fears when they dropped in. She shares her tips on how to create space for your baby during a posterior labor, and she answers some questions sent in by you, the listeners, about being a postpartum doula. Get ready to learn, guys. There is some really great information in this episode. Enjoy. Hi, Loz. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, babe. Thank you for having me. Do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? I would love to. I um, live on the Gold Coast um, and I'm very much grateful every day that I live on the Gold Coast. Mm. I have um, two beautiful girls. One is my best friend. Her name's Indy. Um, She is five years old. Um, Obviously, (laughs) she's the one who made me a mother. And I have my soulmate, Zephyr. So Zeph is six months old now and my wonderful partner, we've been together for nearly 10 years mm-hmm. and I'm a uh, pre and postnatal yoga teacher and I am a postnatal doula and I'm actually just starting to study um, postpartum nutrition, which I'm super excited about and yeah. Amazing. Mm. Could you just explain to us what a postpartum doula does, just for the listeners that don't know, because I feel like it's still not really a common service available to women. It's not common, um, Mm. but I find that more people now are talking about postpartum and and doula. And I think, you know, we um, 
we make a birth plan, but we don't make a postnatal plan. And I think that's really important. Yeah. So basically a postpartum doula, um, well, first of all, um, in terms of postpartum, um, I think it was Dr. Sarah Lack actually said it to us the other day, and people invest more time in researching their car than they do the postnatal period. So true. I'm definitely guilty of that. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, we think that birth is the finish line, but birth is really the starting line. Yeah. And, you know, we have the most important job in the world is being a mother. So a postpartum doula, she is going to be different for everyone. And it really, she is the most valuable asset um, for the supported post for a supported postpartum, um, it isn't really anything new. A postpartum doula isn't anything new. It's sort of just been lost. You know, women supporting women have been around forever. Mm. We are mother centered care, so we are about the mother because we know if we support the mother, the baby will thrive. Yeah. And I only speak to a postnatal doula because obviously I'm not a birth doula, but that's actually where it started. Um, it doula work specialized in looking after women postpartum and as I said a a doula is different for everyone Mm -hmm. and everyone has their own toolbox and that's perfect but they really provide the emotional the physical the spiritual support Mm -hmm. and they're the biggest cheerleader Um, I remember somebody told me once that a midwife is the womb down and the doula is the womb up so where everything about the spiritual, you know, the midwives obviously have to look after women in terms of that physical, getting baby safe and, and, and looking after Baba. But a doula is about the womb up. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. How did you get into this line of work? So that really started for me probably after my first child. Yeah. So after I had Indy. And week after week, uh, in you know in my yoga program and my yoga teaching, I would see women, you know, not being supported and not, yeah, and, and kind of you know our world sort of fails them in a way, and they weren't educated and they had no idea about the changes that happen or anything like that. And I think, yeah, I just, I, I think you know I, I love birth and I love pregnancy and I'm all about all of that as well and I love that side but I just saw that nobody like we fail women you know in our culture and I just saw that week after week and yeah I just am fascinated by it yeah it is fascinating it's nice that we're starting to become more aware of this as well Mm, absolutely yeah so did you plan your first pregnancy with your daughter yes definitely my my journey into motherhood definitely started while I was studying pre and postnatal yoga, but my mm-hmm. diploma. So we got to, I guess, for a few years before that consciously conceived, which is obviously such a buzzword, but you know, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> my world really opened up to like the women in the um, postpartum training, like my world just opened up into this like magical journey of, Uh, fertility and pregnancy and motherhood and I always say like the ladies in there were like my grand fairies like they were just like Mm. uh, just the most amazing and I never had really heard birth being described as this miraculous thing Um, 
and they were all there for, you know, different reasons and, you know, they had come from completely different areas of their life. You know, some were grandmothers and some were, you know, parents and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I remember going there, like, after my last module and I said to my partner, like, let's have a baby. <laughs> and, and he was like, what? We hadn't really <laughs> talked about it much. And I knew that I wanted to be a mom, but I didn't think it, like, when I was ready, I was ready. Yeah. And so he said he wanted to wait a year. So that gave me like a year to consciously conceive and get my body ready. So I literally did everything to support my body and to get it in the you know most fertile state I could. I've heard somebody refer to it as trimester zero, and I love that because yeah. I feel like we should all be operating at trimester zero. You know, we to be fertile to have a body is in, in its optimal state doesn't mean that you have to make a baby but it just means that you are in an optimal state yeah. and I spent a lot of time in in practicing sort of fertility yoga and workshops and getting really into cycling and um, you know working with the cycles of the moon and um, fertility awareness method I literally only learned about that last week and I just think it is so fascinating yeah it's amazing I've got I, I like I remember going to the fertility workshop with the lady who I work for at Yoga Baby mm-hmm. and she like just ran us through like all the different stages that a woman goes through in a month and I was just like blown away. I was like, why do we not get taught this at school? Right. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm a woman. How do I not know this? Yes. I was nearly 30 and I was like, what? Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm 34 and I've only just mm. heard about this the last couple of weeks. I mean, that's pretty sad. But because we, we obviously live in that really masculine world. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's how it's how it's been. But, I, you know, so cool that we obviously know this now. We can pass it on to our next generation. And I love everything that I've learned. I love knowing that that's what my daughters are going to learn. Yes, absolutely. So you started by getting your body into peak condition. Mm, and really calling in like a spirit baby. Mm-hmm. And obviously that can be as woo-woo as everybody wants it to be and, and not. But um, I think that you really connect with a spirit of your unborn child that chooses you. And I think that for me was through meditation and um, really looking into my future memory with my spirit baby mm-hmm. Um I think also that we need to, you know, which I mean, obviously everybody has their own journey and it's, you know, this was my journey, uh, but, you know, creating space in your life because if you don't have space in your life for a baby, a baby's not going to want to come, you know, and we all have a spirit baby there and they're going to be circling. And I remember being able to feel, especially with my second, but, I could feel this spirit circling like ready and and I, and I at that time couldn't have a baby. But, yeah, and I think that's where also mother's intuition starts mm-hmm. as well. Like we get guided to, you know, a specific diet or what we need to do, you know, meditating, breathing or whatever it is. And I think that's our baby's guidance. Yeah. And that's where parenthood starts really because then we plan and we make decisions about our fertility and our conscious conception and yeah. pregnancy. But, you know, for me, like I especially looked into, you know, doing prior to conceiving, there's 120 days prior to conceiving where, you know, a man and a woman can be or get to their optimal and, you know, you can, before you get pregnant, you could do detoxes and go see an acupuncturist or a naturopath and really look into your specific nutrients 
that mm. are obviously that your baby's going to rob from you during your pregnancy. Um, and, you know, doing that for a few months beforehand, like, why not? Because why wouldn't we want to give our babies the best start to life? And your partner, he was completely on board with all of this? He was. He was and he wasn't. I think he was trying to grip it like still being that single man without a baby. But yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's why I think he needed to give me that year. I don't know why. I'm like, why Why a year? Why does it matter? <laughs> um, but by the end of it, he was really good. He stopped drinking and doing a few things um, three months prior to us okay, conceiving. Yeah. And he he's on board with everything I do because he knows that I have such a passion for the greater good of our family, especially now. So I think he sort of, you know, sometimes thinks I'm a bit like, well, Loz, but (laughs) he gets into it after a while. He has no choice, really. (laughs) So when you conceived, did that happen straight away or was it a couple of months? It did. It did. We, um, we, yeah, we we, um, chose to conceive on whatever month it was and that was five years ago and then um yeah and we conceived that month it was on a full moon I know that though because she was like this full moon baby everything happened on a full moon it was crazy um but yeah we conceived straight away and I knew that I was pregnant I think straight away with her yeah and how was your pregnancy with her oh I I feel like pregnancy has the deepest impact like I believe that, like for me, it was like truly like this awakening, um, like a bit the biggest spiritual awakening I think that you could have if you let it. Um, it was the first time in my life that I really felt comfortable and 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 loved myself and was at at ease with myself. Yeah, I was one of those annoying people though that loved being pregnant and I loved like touching my belly. Me too. And all of that stuff. Like I just yeah. I just in awe of women and pregnancy. I just think we're amazing. Um yeah, and like and as I like when I called all three girl all three babies in, um, I really felt like their energy. And for yeah. me, like I could feel something shifting and, and stirring within myself. Um, and when I was teaching yoga and back then it would have been kids yoga, I remember like getting out of breath, teaching mm-hmm. a kid's class and being like, whoa, and I could feel my heart beating like there was two hearts and it was the most bizarre feeling and I've had that with all three of the girls, all three of the babies. Yeah. And my dog got really super, like cuddly, his head would be on my belly all the time and, and stuff like that. And other than pregnancy, he's not like that. <laughs> just so funny wow my dogs did not care at all oh, he's like super super clingy super Cute. light oh, yeah best Bless. best birth support support as well oh. yeah really cute so with all of your training what model of care did you choose back then i because i had been um i knew that i didn't want a home birth but okay. um i think i thought uh, hospital was the safest place for me mm-hmm. but it's because I didn't have the knowledge about the right knowledge about home birthing um, and I knew that we could birth in the birth center up at the Royal Brisbane mm-hmm. so um, and I wanted that continuity of care with the midwives so we thought you know the birth center and I because I already knew that I was pre- or pregnant quite early we could put our name in the ballot um, through my doctor but in the meantime, I had visited a, like a, 
pregnancy baby expo thing. Um, and nobody knew I was pregnant, obviously, at the time. But I um, saw the private midwives group. And mm-hmm. I found out that you could pay private midwives to birth at the hospital. And then I wouldn't have to see hospital staff. I was basically, I guess, renting out the birth centre. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was like the ultimate because at that time, with knowing the knowledge I knew, I didn't want it to be very medicalised and I didn't want a lot of hospital people around me, but I wanted to be in the hospital. So that for us was perfect for that birth. Yeah. And do you want to take us to that first sign of labour? Mm, absolutely. So um, obviously, like we did a lot of prep as well before um, birthing Indy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did um, active birth yoga and active birth workshops. So the lady I teach yoga for, she owns the studio Yoga Baby in Brisbane and um, we specialise in pre- and postnatal yoga. And um, she's created this incredible course called Active Birth Yoga and it really teaches you like um, signs of crisis of confidence. I know you love Rheodopsy, so do I. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and so she does a lot of that work. Um, and a lot of like fear release and breath and, and, and whatnot. But we also did hypnobirthing. And mm-hmm. I think those two are really beautifully um, connected. I think yeah. they both have really beautiful places to be. So when my waters broke at 38 weeks and I was actually in a pregnancy. Yes. Wow. And everybody, you know, like, you're because I'm a yoga teacher and they're like, you'll have this 40-week baby yeah. in the water, nice and fast, like set me up for all these things. And obviously it did work nothing like that at all. But Yeah, that's birth. <laughs> Can I ask quickly if you had prepared yourself mentally to go over? Because I find that's a huge Definitely. thing for first-time mums. Absolutely. Like I I was – I was – I – I really believe within a woman's body to birth mm-hmm. and I think babies will come when they decide to yeah. come. And I think with birth, not only is it a woman's, you know, we have to birth in a certain way to be that mother and to learn or something specific, but our babies have to birth as yeah. well. And I think, you know, it's half and half. Our babies need to come into the world for whatever reason in a certain way. And I think that, yeah, definitely we were, I was happy and my midwife was great about that. Yeah. There was no pressure, which was obviously we came at 38 weeks. I definitely didn't expect to be a 38-week birther, but it took me from – and I also because I really love being pregnant, yeah. so I think that I needed to really let go in the birth. Um, so, yeah, I was at a yoga class. I wasn't teaching, but I had just finished and my waters had broke. And I thought I'd peed my pants. Oh, <laughs> it was only a little bit. And I remember Suzanne, my teacher, um, in the middle of class being like, Lauren, like so calmly, because she's this beautiful, um, you know, uh, elder energy. She's like, have you gone into labour? I thought to myself, no, but I've definitely peed my pants. And I was thinking, gosh, this is what pregnancy's done to me, like for the rest of my life. <laughs> and then I got to the car and then the massive gush came and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm in labour. And it was just the most surreal drive home. And every Tuesday that I teach now when it rains, I always think about it because it was raining and it was just this beautiful, silent 20-minute ride home. And I remember just like speaking to Indy or to um, Bubba at that time because obviously I didn't know it was actually Indy, but Indy at the time and, you know, just saying goodbye to the pregnant me and getting so excited because we knew mm-hmm. we had we were going to meet a, we were going to have a girl. 
Um, and, you know, thinking, am I ready? I can't wait to do this. You know, what's Brody going to say? Like so many thoughts go through your head. It's just the most surreal, like, moment. So that was on Tuesday night. So we got, I got home. Um, contractions felt really nice, like that, uh, sort of what I expected, I guess. Yeah. Felt like my body was working. I did have broken sleep, but I could sleep through a lot of the contractions that night. You know, you get excited because you're like, my body's doing the job that it's meant to and, you know, I'm going to meet my baby. And then came Wednesday morning. So we had to meet my midwife up at the hospital to do a check because obviously my waters had broke. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was hospital procedure. So even though I had a private midwife, I still was working on hospital sort of times and yeah. rules. So now that I know what I know, it's probably a downfall of having a private midwife with rights to the hospital yeah. because you've still got to work within those time frames. Yeah, exactly. So for me, the contractions really slowed down in the car, which is very normal, I guess, because obviously it's not ideal for birth. Mm-hmm. And we're asking women to come out of that primal brain into reality. And I think that was a big factor of um, have, wanting to have a home birth yeah. the next time around. Um, so nothing really looked like it was going to happen anytime soon. So I was given a deadline of Wednesday night to birth or I wasn't allowed in the birth centre because I was past 24 hours. So then I was on the clock, oh, which was even, no. you know, even more pressure um, not yeah it's pressure it's not cohesive to that natural yeah. natural progression is it yeah um so we just headed home and we set up everything in the lounge room we listened to guided music and meditation and put on the diffusers and popped oils on and massage we just created this little ball of cave beautifulness mm-hmm. and um you know i used the birth ball and was in child's pose and you know, just going through each contraction and I would, you know, go into my yoga room at the time every now and then and, you know, we laughed and we listened and we did all the beautiful things and it, and it was it was lovely. Um, and then on Wednesday night my contractions shifted so they went to a more of a back labour, which is from a posterior baby. And so I didn't really know much about posterior births at that time and I really had to focus on my breath. Um, and that night the contractions were like every three or five minutes apart, which felt like obviously everything was progressing, but the back labour was really intense. Yeah. And I got to 12 o'clock, I think, at night, or something. I remember it being quite late at night, and I was like sleeping, sitting up against the back of my oh. bed because I couldn't lie down. And I just pretty much was in the shower all night with my dog sitting at the shower oh. watching me. It was just so cute. Wherever I went, he would go. And I obviously oh. made Brody sleep. And I could just hear my beautiful mentor's voice in my head being like breathing through a straw, slow breathing and like having that in my mind. But as this like sun rose on Thursday morning, I just thought, oh, my gosh, like we're not going to have a water birth. So I got into the into the um, into the bath and sort of talked and had you know massive cry, let everything go because I knew that that day going up to the hospital I would obviously come back with a baby. There was no way I was coming home without a baby. Mm-hmm. And so we went up to the hospital that morning, and um, at first you know walking into a birth suite versus the centre with a nice beautiful pool was definitely not what I envisioned, but 
my midwife was amazing and, you know, set the room up. We moved the bed so I could use it to, you know, to sway on but not have anyone entice me onto the bed. And mm-hmm. we, we created a really beautiful space with mats and bean bags and all the things. But I got Sintocin, um, which was my choice. It was a really hard one for me. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want no sleep or another sleepless night because yeah. I've been laboring since Tuesday. Um, and I remember my midwife like just holding me and looking me in the eyes and just saying, you know, it's going to come pretty fast and hard. And she like looked at me in the eyes like, you can do this, you've got this. And I, so once that I had that, it, you know, everything happened really quickly. And I just remember it was felt like a freight train coming through my body mm. <laughs> with yeah. no brakes, no yeah. brakes at all. And I guess that's hard with the, you know, induced or, or um, you know, the syntocin is that your um, contractions are just one level and they're just on hard. And that yeah. leaves with a natural sort of contraction. It sort of pe- peters up and comes up that mountain and down that mountain. Um yeah. You get a break. You get a break and mm. don't get a break. But my partner was amazing. And I actually had, because um, with the back labour or with a posterior baby, you get a lot of back labour. Mm-hmm. And it's also you, that first stage of your labour is quite long because they're obviously trying to find their fit and trying to navigate oh, their position. Okay. Yeah, so they've got to rotate before they can come, obviously, through. Mm-hmm. Um, and my partner was doing counter pressure with his thumbs up on my back and I had bruises for the next week (gasps) because he, because I wanted him to do it so hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, that for me and anyone that ever has back labor is, you know, I think that we are so strong and it just made me realize how mentally and physically strong I was and how capable Mm -hmm. I was as a person. I think, you know, as, much as I would have loved this beautiful soft labor that yeah. wasn't intense um <laughs> yeah like it teaches you a lot like about 100%. yourself yeah. especially with the work that you're doing as well I think it's good for you to be able to relate to that mm, type of labor absolutely everything that's happened to me over my years has brought me definitely to where I am and and I don't you know want to take away anything yeah. because it's exactly right I can relate to women in so many different ways now which is obviously amazing so like I went through transition just like everybody else you like look for the weakest person in the room and beg them (laughs) that you can't go on and I think I wanted a cesarean and uh, not even not even an epidural I wanted the whole thing and and I remember like my midwife walking back in and Brody's like she wants a cesarean she's like she's just going through transition (laughs) keep breathing sweetheart you're fine it's just so funny and everyone's I love everyone's like transition stories about what they do or say because it is it's it's incredibly funny but yeah yeah, my body just took over and and that urge like obviously you want to poo or you you think that you're going to birth out out of your bottom rather than the vagina it's just incredible Mm -hmm. but my legs were just like out of control shaking um and so obviously I was on on earth and on the ground so I started to um First, my midwife actually, which was something really good. She, I remember her telling me to go sit on the toilet mm-hmm. and then like having a few contractions on the toilet so you can know where to breathe and where to push or, or to breathe into, which I thought was the best thing for me to yeah. do. 
And I remember saying to Brody, like, we're going to meet our baby girl. It's just so, like, once you get wow. to that point and you know that you're nearly there, like, it's just amazing. Yeah, wow. And, and at that stage as well, your back labour ceases. So then you get such oh, a relief. Okay. Yeah. Right. So for me, that pushing phase is my favourite because <laughs> there's no back labour in that. So then, yeah, and I was just lunging and I guess they call it that optimal um birthing position where you lunge and your legs out to the side so you can really get into that deeper lunge and you can fall back if you need to catch your baby and I just remember sort of breathing breathing but making a lot of noise and a lot of roaring and a lot of groaning poor mm-hmm. Brody and and fluttering of my lips and all of the stuff but I think <laughs> when you know we all talk about these beautiful blissful births when we breathe our babies out but I think a lot of the time it needs to have a little bit of force behind it and yeah. as long as you're moving with the contraction and, and the sensations of your body, then that's that's what we want. We don't want it to be against the sensations of our body. Because I know that a lot of women sort of think, oh, and I, I was probably the same once I had Indy. I was like, oh, I didn't really like, there was no calm, blissful, mm-hmm. like it was still loving and it was still empowered and it was still calm, but I was like, I roared like a woman, (laughs) like, you know, I used my power. And I think also depending on how you, your birth unfolds, a lot of that roar and power needs to come out or it can be stagnated in your body and you can hold it within your body. And I think that you need to let it go. Mm, So true. So you roared her out? I did. And I remember seeing her head in the mirror, which obviously Mm. is the best way to give birth is seeing your bubba and like the... You have like these outer body experience, like you're so present, but you're in, you're obviously in another world. And they say you're in another world collecting your baby to bring them back down to earth. And it's so true. Like you're so present, but you're so not there. Like Mm. it's just, you're in two worlds. But I remember when um, Indy was starting to come out into the world and Tracy needed to call because obviously she was the only midwife because I had a private midwife. She needed to buzz to have somebody else present. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, an emergency in another room was called. And so all these people rushed into our room as <gasps> Indy was coming earthside. And Tracy's like, stop, stop. And I'm like, how do I stop? And then I end up birthing Indy into my arms <gasps> because everybody, now all these doctors and nurses were like, oh, you guys are fine and sort of walked out. Really oh, funny. my God. I was like, how do you stop? You <laughs> I'm like, I'm she's out. She's coming. <laughs> There's no stopping her. Oh, wow. uh, oh my yeah. Gosh. So, um, and I, we just, Brody cried. Mm-hmm. I was just in awe of myself. Yeah. Um, I think I didn't want to move. Like I just laid on the hospital floor on beanbags for about an hour, nearly two hours, just being in awe of what I've done. Yeah. Oh, mm. that is powerful. So what did you learn from that experience and what did you take into your next pregnancy slash birth? For me, I always think that, children teach your birth is the way that you need to parent your child so whatever whatever lesson you've learned in your birth is how you're meant to parent that child and if you don't learn yeah and then if you don't learn it then your next birth will be exactly you'll have to you'll really have to relearn it like you'll have to have that so mine's patience for Indy mine was patience of that long me too. Posterior labour. Yeah, definitely patience. And I, I don't have patience. Yeah. <laughs> at all. That's our um, sign and for you're sure. An Aries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and my daughter, bless her, and she is the be- most beautiful person in the world, but I definitely need patience for her as well. So, yeah, yeah that's definitely what my birth taught me. Interesting. I like that. And, and I guess the more I learned about birth and the more I involved myself in, in all, you know, books, podcasts, all, all the things after mm-hmm. having Indy, and doing a lot of training and because and, um, the active birth training, I, I actually got, I went on to teach and learn myself to teach it. Um, I just realized all of the little signs and all the little things that, you know, aren't cohesive to that really beautiful natural progression of labor and how it didn't work for me. And so then I knew that I wanted a home birth because of that. And I also yeah. wanted Indy to be at present and, and be there actually I think probably that was the biggest thing for me because obviously she was a girl and I wanted her present for the birth of our next baby so did you plan your second pregnancy we did so after Indy um um I think she was probably about two years old we wanted to consciously conceive again Mm -hmm. and I went to see the doctor about all my you know getting all my nutrition and, and all the things done. And I actually was diagnosed with a thyroid imbalance. Okay. And at that time as well, I wasn't diagnosed, but now knowing what I know and, and how I've gone on my journey, definitely had um, uh, postpartum depletion. Yes. And so that propelled me into like health and nutrition. Mm-hmm. And I just went to seek the root cause because what she, what the doctor said to me, and obviously everybody is different, and everybody needs to um, work with what you know is is good for them. Mm-hmm. But she had told me that it was a genetic thing, and that I'd be on medication for the rest of my life, and there was nothing I could do. And I knew in my heart that was wrong. And a lot of women actually get postpartum um, thyroiditis because we're so depleted, especially of iodine, and then that spirals the thyroid issues so anyway I went down this big big nutrition health thing and because of that my iodine was so low and so each month for nearly two years my naturopath would just say to me not this month not this month because I'd get my um, iodine tested each month and she was like it's too low you know, not this mm-hmm. month. And so it was literally the longest conscious conception I could ever think of. Yeah. So worth it. But I could feel the next baby's spirit circling around me. And I just remember being so upset each month because I was like, felt like I was letting that spirit down. Yeah. So we got the green light eventually and we got pregnant straight away and we did and, and all that sort of stuff. And that bub's energy was just so intense. Um and I knew, again, that I was pregnant straight away. And mm-hmm. for the next few weeks, obviously, like, you, you, I was just in this dream, imagining, planning, visioning, all the things, thinking, you know, the last two years paid off, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I was very attached to the outcome, just like we can be with birth. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, at eight weeks pregnant, it was like a Saturday, and I wasn't feeling well, and I thought that, it was just pregnancy exhaustion hitting me because I was quite exhausted with Indy at first. And I think now it was really my body's way of encouraging me to just be and lie down. And uh, Brody took Indy to play in the park and he came back and I realised I was starting to bleed. So, so everything sort of just goes so quickly. 
and you slow down. Like it's just crazy. The world goes at a million miles an hour. And I remember being in the emergency and they said, obviously, sorry for your loss. And I was just like, what? Like, this doesn't happen to me. Like, and I'm sure everyone feels the same when you, when it happens, like I'm healthy and you go through all these like checkpoints. Um, and I didn't realize in that moment, but that's just another area where we are failing mothers. Like mm. we fail them in the emergency departments when they lose their babies because mm. there's no support. Yeah. There's nothing that people say. And I think that pregnancy really taught me or tried to show me to t- trust my body okay. um, because obviously when I was um, going through my thyroid issues, I went out of trust with my body a bit. Yeah. So with my next pregnancy, the next cycle that came along, I actually fell pregnant straight away. Um, so I didn't process the loss like I should have. Okay. So before, obviously, Zeph came side, and again, nobody tells you that pregnancy after loss is hard or it will be full of many polarities because you'll mm-hmm. be obviously so loved up that you're pregnant but then there's so many fears that can come in that can creep in mm. yeah of course yeah. and how was that pregnancy so Zephy was this beautiful like subtle energy so so mm-hmm. grounding um she made me feel at ease like it was like my body just did these like beautiful size yeah. um but what I didn't expect as I said like I didn't expect pregnancy after loss to be really hard yeah. um she was very gentle in her presence um, and because of that and because of that loss, I didn't realise I'd be relying on movements a lot. So my favourite part is like having babies kick you in the belly and dancing inside your womb and I just love it. And Indy was like a soccer puncher. <laughs> she was hardcore. <laughs> like you knew she was there. But Zeph, like I would be doing, like I would, I would drink, you know, fizzy mineral water and shake my belly because I could hardly ever feel her kicking Mm. so for me it was hard because every time like I wouldn't feel much movement I'd be like what's wrong am I gonna lose a baby and you know going to scans you you really put that in your mind as well like all the things start playing now so I really my mindset like I really had to focus on my mindset and obviously this was through COVID as well so you know it was so nice being able to just be with Indy and um, be at home and, and whatnot. But I really had to take long walks on the beach. I, like, had to listen for meditation mm-hmm. and I really had to focus on my breath, my breathing and my breath work throughout the day, um, which I love. Like, during pregnancy, I feel like, for me, meditation, I can just sit in meditation all day. So like mm-hmm. I've always got one foot in one realm and one foot in the other when I'm pregnant, but definitely had to focus on my mindset Mm-hmm. And just you know, meditating on that positive outcome and mm-hmm. and having that happy transition with Indy. And I, I guess on one point I knew that she was going to be the baby. And I think because around that twenty week scan, I could always feel a boy energy or or this masculine energy, mm-hmm. and I could always feel like there was two babies. <laughs> and I knew I was only having one. Yeah. And then at the twenty week scan, it's like my so woo. I know, but it's like one energy left and one energy mm-hmm. stayed. And it was like he was protecting Zeph until he knew she was okay. It's just, yeah, it's just, it was the most bizarre feeling. Mm-hmm. And so one part of me really knew that 
like obviously pregnancy was going to be fine mm. um, and that we could, you know, plan this beautiful home birth and, um, and stuff like that. But obviously that inner person yeah. in, your, in your head tells you others. So it is hard. Definitely. Yeah. And I think everybody needs to have support. And that's mm-hmm. something else that I'm looking at offering as well because I feel like we need that support to have somebody to walk through with yeah. us. And that's not our partner that is someone that maybe has gone through it or somebody who's just there to support that to, yeah, really hold space for you as a woman. That's beautiful. Yeah. So do you want to take us to that first sign of labour with her? Mm, yeah. So we, <laughs> um, we obviously were having a home birth. Um, and obviously Indy was, you know, so excited about everything. Mm. She was like a mini, a mini midwife. It was so beautiful. Cause she would have been what, like four and a half? Four? Yeah. So she knew everything. Like she would come into my room when it was dark every morning and make me put on YouTube when like the sperm meets the egg oh my God, and stop. grows a baby. Yeah. Oh, over and over again. I love her. Yeah. She was just. So beautiful. And she just like every midwife appointment, she would ask all these questions. Like she's just so <laughs> smart. I think she knew more about birth than I did. Like, oh, I and she it. like, my mom made her this little doll with the placenta and a baby where it birthed and. Oh, she just, my God. She was, I think she was born to be a sister. Like, I yeah. think she just loves it. But yeah, also wow. everyone, because I obviously birthed at 38 weeks, everyone was like, you're going to have a baby at 38 weeks, like mm. all this stuff. And, oh, my gosh, it was such a mind game in itself oh, um, yeah. because I'm obviously happy for my baby to choose its birthday. But when everyone tells you, and especially when you have a home birth, you have to set up everything in your home. So by 37 weeks, we were prepared. By 36 weeks, right. I knew she could come at, you know, any at any stage, really, yeah. like between 38 and like 40, 42. If she and when did to. she come? She, um, I started to get that, is it, I can't say the word, pedromal labour, is it like when it goes through the night and then leaves during the morning? Yeah. So on 40 weeks, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's not too bad. No, but those like two weeks. Was yeah. Like, they and my best friend was, um, uh, birth just I think a month or two before me and right. so she w- had a very similar birth to me so everything that was happening to her I was like oh that'll happen to me even yeah. though I know that's not right <laughs> it still goes uh... in your head um, but we had obviously set up um, this birth space and it was really important to me after having a birth with Indy as 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 beautiful and as um, as what it was and right in its own time I really wanted to bring sacred, um, the sacredness back into uh, my birth. Like I had this beautiful mama blessing and like I had really gotten into, you know, our culture within our Aboriginal culture and things. And I really had connected to more of a sacred space. Yeah. So for me, I really, um, you know, I had envisioned my new home because we had to move through COVID and, and I did a lot of work in terms of, and obviously because through COVID, there's nothing else to do anyway. So yeah. I had really, and obviously it was such a lead up because, you know, for, for I hadn't birthed for four years um, and so much had happened in the meantime. So it was a massive lead up for yeah. us. So, yeah, Monday, Tuesday we had, I had labour, like um, that labour through the night and then the next morning it was gone. Um which, you know, I think it was every half an hour or something like that. And um, 
home member, you know, being able to move around the home um, at night time, which is such a beautiful time to birth, you know, swaying mm. and watching the moon and, and having a few salt lamps on, trying to be excited but trying not to be excited because you know that it might not be the start of, or it's the start of birth but it could go on forever. Um, and, yeah, getting into that mindset of, you know, my body is working and everything's moving the way it should. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that went on for two days and then – on Wednesday, came back at lunchtime, and like at this, because uh, obviously Indy was all obviously a part of it. So her and Brody would go out and play in the park or go away for the day, so I could really get into, you know, my hypnobirthing tracks or you know my guided breath work and and my music and and movement. Um, I think I think that night was pr- quite testing for me on that Wednesday night um, because. My contractions were every 10 minutes. And I remember like trusting but crying and speaking to Zef and looking out at the sky at night and just like calling on, you know, my nana. My nana for some reason really came back. The energy of my nana came back to me in that home that we moved into. So she was there with pictures all over the birth space and like really connecting to my ancestors, which is not something that I've done completely through birth before with Indy. Um, and just having that ebb and flow of sort of trust and then thinking, am I going to birth forever? Is she mm-hmm. kind of calm and, you know, what's going to happen? And then Thursday came around and, again, like they were every 10 minutes. And in hindsight, we thought, I thought that we, um, that she wasn't posterior, but mm-hmm. she obviously was. And okay. I kind of wish I had called one of my, well, my mentor, Suzanne, I wish I had called her to sort of talk through the signs because I was so deep in it that I didn't see it. But as soon as I got that posterior back labor again, I just did everything and anything that I knew Mm -hmm. to get it speeding up. And I knew a lot more this time. So once we did that labor really kicked in, which was great. And everything was obviously progressing quite fast. Can I ask what you did? Like what types of things you did to get it progressing? Just for anyone that is in that position. Yes, definitely. So you can do um, rebozo work on the belly and Mm -hmm. a lot of shifting and and buffing. Um, And I did a lot of like lunging and I put my leg up a bit higher and you lunge out and back in and that sort of helps to support because what you're trying to do is you're trying to help your or create space for your baby. Mm-hmm. You personally cannot move your baby, um, no matter what people try and tell you. You're, you can't move your baby, but you can create the space for your baby to move. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing like head down, bottom up, off a table or a ledge. Spinning Babies is a really good website because they go into a lot of that as well. Um, but, yeah, and, and then the TENS machine and acupressure points as well was really okay. good for us. Yeah. Awesome. And that night was batchy night and my girlfriend was actually <laughs> on Bachelor and I was like, I just want to watch my girlfriend on Bachelor. <laughs> like, what's going on? Hurry up and come or don't come because I want to watch her. And that was when she got a bit of airtime, so I was like in and out of contractions and I was so intense <laughs> and my partner was telling me all about it. But by the end Love of that. It. They were three minutes apart, and Indy was asleep, obviously, and she slept through all of all of it except for um, when Seth was born. Mm-hmm. Um, which now I'm glad she was asleep for, and I actually can't believe that she was asleep for all of it. But um, so by then, I think it was probably about ten or eleven, and we called my midwife and my girlfriend Rosh, who was taking photos for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, I was 
so excited about getting into the water because I didn't have a labour in water. And I always, like, in my pregnancies, need to immerse myself in water. Yeah. So I, um, I just remember every contraction after every contraction, I was like, is my midwife going to tell me I can get in the water? She's got to be able to tell me by now. Come on. Like, mm-hmm. all I wanted to do was get into the water. And then I did, and it was amazing. And obviously, through the rest of your birth, you know, the rest periods, so beautiful because you can really drop deep into that rest yeah but my contractions were so intense that I needed I need land when I birth and this is what I've obviously realized and unpacked now but the birth pool that you have at home is uh, when you're at home is um, squishy and there's no anchor point so um, I remember spewing as well and in my brain I got into my like teacher brain and was like yes this is transition And, and then I started ticking off the birth progression box which mm. a lot of people say when you know too much or you know what you know then you can do that as well yeah right and at one point i was so deep like in that vortex but i knew something wasn't right and i could really feel it in my body mm-hmm. so i'd been laboring in the pool for a while and um the contractions were very intense um and my body wanted to push but i could feel that there was nothing there like in my head I was in the pushing phase, so I was thinking, yep, this is ticking my boxes off. Mm-hmm. So I asked my midwife to check me because I hadn't been checked um, at all and I didn't really want to. And then this wave of anxiety of loss dropped in, like a forklift was literally dropped oh. into my body. And because once I went into labour, for me, I was like, I don't feel fear anymore. Like, I'm having a baby. She's coming. And, yeah, so... My midwife said that her head was to the side and that she actually wasn't um, in my pelvis yet, but I needed to push. And so all I could, all I remember saying to her was, I'm going to hurt my baby. Something's wrong and I'm going to hurt her. And oh. she's like, just go with the urges. Like, But I had obviously gone into this fear because of the loss of my other yeah. baby, not because of where I was or the home birth or what I was doing yeah. or anything like that. So at that point, we got out of the pool because obviously I needed um, to be in an upright position and to support her to come down. And I think I just needed to be in like a little safe cave. So we went into my bathroom, which was bathroom and the toilet. So it's quite small um, because obviously you think I'm going to birth in a pool. I don't need any of this stuff. Um, So we went into there and I remember just wanting my midwife and my partner um, and they say that birth is 10 years of therapy or five years of ma- meditation all in one night. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. And I think if I was in a hospital and if I wasn't held and being supported, I either wouldn't have gone through it and then I would have had to work on it in some other way down the track. Mm-hmm. Or as my midwife said, because of where her head was, I might have actually been told I had to have a cesarean. Yeah. Um, but obviously she knew and she believed and, and you know, whatever. So, Amazing. yeah, so there was a lot of a lot of fear that came in, but I was surrounded by people who believed in my birth. So I was able to sort of fall apart basically and, and get yeah. back up and, and get put back together. Um, wow. And, again, you know, pregnancy after loss, if I had been supported, maybe that fear wouldn't have arose because as fears that you know you might have but there's also fears that you are absolutely unaware of so then I got onto the toilet 
I remember, oh, I did a little bit of lunging and, and a lot of vocalization and a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And then I got onto the toilet and I could feel her head just drop instantly. And I felt wow. this wave of like peace come over me because oh. my breath slowed down. I could, I knew that she was there and I got invited to go back to the pool. Um, but I sort of felt safe in my cave and I was really grounded. So I was like, no, I feel fine. And then Indy was woken as Zeph was coming out. So I mean, she was there to see Zeph, but I think she was really upset that she wasn't there to like pour water on me and do all the things that we had <laughs> talked about for nine months. <laughs> but um, yeah, seeing those two on the couch after birth and I've got this photo and it's just, it, it's the, like out of all the birthing pictures I have and they're stunning, but seeing her smile on the couch with Zeph Oh was gosh. like the most magical, magical yeah, thing. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you learn from that birth? Definitely to trust my body. Absolutely yeah. to trust myself. Yeah. And that like all we really need is within us. And um, I think, you know, sometimes, or well, as women, you know, we go to school, we get told what to do. We go to a job, we get told what to do. Yeah. We you know, get pregnant, we get told what to do. We birth, we generally get told what to do, mm-hmm. you know. And then as mothers, we're left not knowing what to do because nobody's there to tell us. But, so true. yeah, I think we really need to trust within or, or learn how to um, open up that trust, you know, muscle or whatever you want to call it again because we don't, um, that intuition. Mm. Yeah. And did you do anything special with your placenta? Yeah, so we did cord burning. Um, for the second one, um, which took a while. Like, I didn't realise how yeah, long it, it was going to take. Yeah, And it sort of spat stuff at us as well. Oh. Like, <laughs> uh, I, you know, fat or whatever, whatever it is from the cord, oh, which I didn't course. know anything about either. Yeah. So we did that. Um, we were so exhausted because obviously we had been birthing through the night and, and yeah. India was awake, but everybody else was tired. Um, so we did that. And I had um, a cord to wrap around Zeph, but I also had a cord to wrap around Indy's arm, which was the same, so they were oh, connected, cute. which is really beautiful. I love that. Um, I love that. And I, I did placenta encapsulation for both of mine. Okay, awesome. Yeah, the first time I just did all placenta was encapsulated. The second time I got a little piece to bury, which we still haven't done, which is in my freezer. Yeah, that's I just common. haven't decided where to do it. Yeah, beautiful. We, we have like a special connection to uh, Broken Head, and I'll, I'm thinking of taking it down there. But ah, oh, just and then do I plant it and you know grow a tree? But we don't have it. We don't live in our own home yet, so it's just sort of like oh, I don't know what to do. If are you guys going to go back for oh, another one? Third. Um, I don't feel complete. Yeah. Okay. Uh, everyone says once you've you know had the baby, you'll you'll know. But mm-hmm. um, I don't feel complete. Okay. But I don't know if my partner wants a third yet. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. So if you were to go back, hypothetically, yeah. Yeah. would there be anything you would do differently that time around? Um, no, no, definitely yeah. not. I mean, I think I've – the only thing for me was the healing of uh, a loss. Yeah. Um, but we planned and we visioned, we did everything that – no, I definitely wouldn't. I, I will always and – I, and I really hope – it is probably my hope for women that you know we we do want to birth in the place where we feel our safest Mm -hmm. because that's how a physiological birth will progress 
in the right way. But a lot of women don't know, you know, they don't know that home birth could be the safest because they hear so many stories from society or family members or, or whatever it might be. Like I feel like women that home birth have more knowledge. We, we, we do so much in-depth knowledge because it's then given, like it's in our hands. Mm. I think one that's empowering. But, yeah, I think that we think that maybe hospital might be the safest. But then if we are given the right knowledge, then maybe we'll realise that home birth, if you are having that, you know, that normal Every everything's fine kind of a, a pregnancy yeah. yeah now I put up a question box on my Instagram mm. so let's go through those now I let you pick the top four number one is why is postpartum important oh I love this this is like <laughs> this is there's so many areas why it's important and to touch on but I feel like one um, postpartum is like the forgotten trimester Mm -hmm. Um, it's known now as the fourth trimester and our focus should only be to rest and recover to restore the mother's vitality um, to replenish her reserves and to care for a newborn so many cultures have known for thousands of years the importance of the fourth trimester or what we call the sacred window after childbirth and how a mother is cared for during this time affects her healing it affects her mothering um because like as i said she's been repleted she's recovering um she's learning to breastfeed and her and it's all about her emotional mental health so for the first 40 days um it takes 40 days to establish um your new narrow oh my god i can't even say it pathways (laughs) that big, mm-hmm. nice, big word. Um, and Neurological? Biologi- yes, that's it. Cool. And, and biological systems. So our oh, mothers okay. are um, as vulnerable as her baby. So just like her baby is vulnerable, so is a mother. So oh. they say it's 42 days after birth sets us up for the next 42 years. Mm-hmm. So um, what that means is that you know, if we dedicate that 40 days to rest, the next 40 years and even your menopause, so how women go through your menopause, so how you go through postpartum is how you're going to go through your menopause. What happens in your postpartum is going to be a reflection of your menopause. Wow. So I think I that's very that. important for women. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's incredible. And the amount of stories that you hear from, you know, um, pelvic floor um, experts, women, mm-hmm. about how women aren't supported through their pelvic floor even and how that affects them through their menopause because it takes six weeks for our uterus to return back to pre-pregnancy size Mm -hmm. um, and for the placenta site to heal and the bleeding to cease Um, so it's essential that we rest for six weeks after like if you tore your ACL my partner tore his ACL a few years back and there's like a whole recovery plan and yeah, this rest so plan true. and there's all these things. Yet yeah. we are recovering and we're just expected to get up and make people coffee and, and yes. bounce back and show <gasps> off our baby. And like the hormones, the drop of hormones after pregnancy, it's the largest, let me get this right, the largest hormonal change anyone will ever have experienced in their life. 
And it's the single largest sudden hormone change in the shortest amount of time. I think I just got that right. Wow. So it's just in- incredible. It's life-changing. Um, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And there's, you know, many cultures emphasise it. And, you know, many cultures around the world, if a mother isn't thriving, it's it's the culture, it's the community's fault, not the mother's. Right. So it means that they haven't looked after her in her postpartum. Mm-hmm. And also there's the baby as well. So the baby has to adjust. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff to do with the baby as well. Um, but I feel like if we look after the mother, then the baby's automatically going to be looked after because then she can focus on the baby. So true. Yeah, I could talk about postpartum all day. Yeah. I know. We, have, we need to do a whole another episode about it. I could do it. a whole podcast on postpartum work, yeah. Okay, well, maybe we'll book that <laughs> yes, in. Yes, absolutely. Question number two is how long is a postpartum period? Mm, well, medically, uh, they focus on the, the first six weeks. Okay. Um, in my practice, I look at the first three months in terms of doula work. But postpartum isn't just six weeks. It's it's There's no magic wave, like wand that you wave at the end of six weeks. Uh, it's different for everyone um, and it's actually lifelong. We're in our postpartum period for the rest of our life. A lot of, um, you know, I always say nine months. Like you, it takes you nine months to create the baby and give birth and then it takes you nine months to settle into your relationship with your body your baby and yourself as a new mother because we go through this tra- transition that's called matrescence and we go through this transition where it's just like adolescence so adolescence is when a child becomes an adult and it takes time you know we and we're so forgiving of all of their emotions and all of their outbursts and all of the changes but then when it comes to a woman when she changes into her matrescence we expect her to give birth what wave the wand and she knows everything about being a mother yes yeah, so true yeah. wow. and we go through identity shifts we go from me because that's all we're focused on before we become a mother to we and that's not just we as in me and our baby it's we as in the world we, we mm. think about the world more um and it can take two years a lot of cultures won't um have subsequent children until two years after birth because they know that the deficiencies and the nutrients um, and all the demands of breastfeeding and sleep deprivation um, needs to be replenished before you have another child because then if not mother, the mother is going to be more depleted and also the baby isn't going to get what they need through pregnancy. Yeah. Number three, best tips for a good postpartum recovery? Well, first of all, you can you know, work with the postpartum planner. Yeah. <laughs> um, postpartum doula, <laughs> like myself postpartum or somebody doula. else. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to plan. Plan is the most important. Like we okay. plan for our birth. We should be planning for our postpartum. Yeah. So I do think that we need to invest in our postpartum. So um and and investing can be however you see fit and how, whatever your circumstances are. But you know, we invest in a wedding dress that we wear one day mm-hmm. and then people talk about a postpartum doula or a birth doula and we're like oh my gosh I couldn't spend that much money which is probably cheaper than the dress yeah um, so true and I feel like you know I mean even if you don't have the money if you really want something you will find a way to get it yeah 100%. and you don't need all the baby things like the baby needs you not the things yes and I think that we are slowly shifting which is really good but yeah, I think that we can ease off on all the baby products that we're being sold. 
Um, but yet yeah, to build your village um, and to find where that village is. So it could be, you know, family and friends. Um, we do live in a world where we are in that nuclear family. So we are away from our family and friends a lot. So it could be community or it could be paid support, mm-hmm. asking for support. So I always say no presence, just support. So um, changing that narrative. Yeah. And so instead of buying baby things, um, getting a group of you know, you can have a ba- instead of having a baby shower, you can have a mama blessing, or you can just you know have people over. But you could ask to them to create a meal train, yeah. um, or contribute to meal services, or cleaners, or a doula. You know, you can ask them to give you know for support. I know Doctor um, Oscar says no visitors, just staff. So mm-hmm. for women to um, for the people who come to your house in those first couple of weeks, if you're not happy asking them to, you know, cook or clean or put some dirty washing um, in the washing machine for you or, or breastfeeding in front of them, they probably shouldn't be there. Yeah. They're being um, comfortable with setting those loving boundaries with people, you know, saying no to people. And I think that starts in pregnancy. I yeah. think saying no to people and having that expectation of about visitors um, Proto, um, uh, rest so um, you know that's the most important is rest um, we can refer to it like the Chinese refer to it as confinement um, which obviously for us feels you know us in the west is like oh my gosh I don't want to be confined to anything but you know having um, protocols for the mother to stay in for around those first six weeks which is 40 days um, or as much as she can as possible, and having as much vertical rest as possible is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, going for walks and getting out into the sun is really nice, but making sure that we rest and replenish, so building the warmth back into our bodies. So we lose a lot of blood and energy and fluid and placenta. So we're in a really open state and a very cold state when we um, give birth. Yeah, okay. So, like, you know, a lot of cultures will make women wear socks and not open windows and not wash their hair because they don't want any of that cold dampness to get within their body. So nourishment is really important. And I think um, my first pregnancy, um, postpartum, sorry, the nourishment I didn't focus on mm-hmm. in terms of I, I ate really good, really, you know, beautiful salads and lots of acai bowls and all the juices, but I didn't replenish in the way of soups and broths and stews that were going to restore and nourish me in that nutrient-dense way. Being prepared, um, self-nourishment, so having practices in place that um, really calm your nervous system and help with your breath. I know like a lot of women, obviously, if we're going to stay at home, having more beautiful rituals, like having nice skincare can be really lovely mm. because, you know, we might not go out for a long time. So that's really nice to have and um, know that expectations will ruin everything when it comes to you and your partner and your baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, having expectations on any you, your partner or your baby just ruins everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And number four, advice for someone that doesn't have support. Okay, so um, this is probably the most asked and top reason people come to me for postpartum planning. Um, So I do postpartum planning sessions. Um, So I think that's really important. So as I said, we're hardwired as, I mean, 
human beings are hardwired for connection and to live in community. But we live in that nuclear, you know, family now where um, it, where it's relatively new. Um, we don't live in community and we, we live in separate places. So we've, um, so first of all, um, if you live away from support and you're not feeling comfortable um, or you're not feeling comfortable to ask, it's two different things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes we think we don't have support, but we really do. People want to help us. They just sometimes don't know how as well. So you can ask your neighbours, work friends, especially about meal trains, walking the dog or whatever it might be. So, yeah, deciding between those two I think are really important because sometimes we do have support, but it's just that we're not we're not used to asking for support. Yeah. We, you know, we As women, we think we're failing if we ask for support. Um, Crazy, isn't it? I know, it's insane. And I mean, mm. and, I, and I had to go through a lot my second mm. time around. I was like, give me all the support, but I did a lot of work because it is hard and you do, you, you know, that's your job is to be the mum, you know. Mm. Like you've just birthed the baby that's, and, it's, and some of us take that into very, you know, we're very highly, you know, it's a big thing for us mm. and it's hard for us to ask for like, that help. But also... Um, in terms of um, with no support around you, I think that a lactation consultant in your area, make sure that you know a uh, lactation consultant because I think even if you don't have to use them, they are the, you know, if, if, if breastfeeding is important to you, it's, they are very um, valuable. Yeah. Um, you can also generally a lot of um, places now around in different states, you can actually get a private postnatal midwife that will come to you and it's bulk build. So that's oh, another okay. way you can get support. Yeah. So they're independent midwives and they're bulk build. So you can do that for the first six weeks, especially if you've birthed in, in a hospital and you don't get that support. But obviously if you don't have family and friends and, and community, you can always get a postpartum doula. So yeah. as we spoke about at the start. So if someone wanted to use your services, could they do it online though? Like if they wanted to do the planning side? Mm, I do. Planning is mostly um, on Zoom, yes. Okay, perfect. Mm. You can still use yeah. a postpartum dual service in that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes, you know, I mean, again, you will find the money if you think it's valuable to you. But if you can't, for whatever reason, have a postpartum doula, or sometimes some people don't want that, they don't feel comfortable with people in their home that they don't know, or whatever the reason is, yeah. um, planning is the most important. And I think for me this year, that's my the biggest thing that I want to work on with women is planning because just like a birth plan, if we don't have one, we have no idea. And once you've had a baby, so like you can't stop. <laughs> like it's just go time. <laughs> yeah. And I have a... Um, a Facebook group for those on the Gold Coast in Brisbane, obviously, if you're not, there are, and if there isn't, if you're in another state, you can contact me um, on Instagram or whatever because there are different groups around Australia now mm-hmm. because of COVID we started these. But I've got a Facebook group called Meals for Mothers by Mamas mm-hmm. and we actually offer new mamas support in the way of food. So we just go over and drop food around in the area if we can um, so find, yeah, find people. So. That's really nice as well. Yeah. Thank God for women like you in the world. Oh, women need women. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely. Finally, mm. I mean, you've given so much advice, but what is mm-hmm. the key piece of advice you would give to any expectant mum out there? 
I love like one piece for me and you probably notice I'm not a like one person one one answer kind of person but I think invite your fears to surface during pregnancy I think yeah. is a massive one mm-hmm. um Rhea Dempsey talks about um all of that sort of stuff in her what's that book called um, birthing with confidence that's one yes um be aware of your breath I definitely think breath is the most important like hospitals have taken breath out of their antenatal classes because they think women can not breathe right or whatever their reasoning behind it was. And I'm like, that's the most important part. Like without your breath, what are you going to do? So I think breath awareness is really important. Your birth team and your postpartum team, vital, definitely. And turning on your tap to your intuition, I definitely think that's, you know, it's like a muscle and we need to work, work it every day. Um, because all you need is within you. You've just got to find that within yourself. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Loz, thank you so much for coming on today. Wow. Thanks. I feel Beth. like I've learned so much. Oh, thank you. And what you're doing is, and listen to your podcast, obviously. Um, what yeah. you're doing is amazing. <laughs> like, and I, and I can assume, I don't know, because I've not done a podcast, how much time and effort it takes to do a podcast so you are doing the most amazing amazing work what you're doing women need so thank you for letting us have a voice thank you that brings us to the end of the show guys i hope you learned as much as i feel like i just did i guess so many of us put all of this focus on the birth of our child but as loz says the birth is only the beginning Ooh, chills. I hope this inspires you all to look deeper into your postpartum care, which is proving to be just as crucial to our mental well-being as a healthy birth. Please reach out to Loz if you're interested in any of her services. You'll find all of her details in the show notes. And let me know your thoughts, feelings, and opinions of today's episode over on the PBA Instagram. I'll see you guys next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia. Positive Birth Australia.